Hey, welcome to Free Association. We got a jam-packed show for you, so let's get right to it. Myself and Tyler Ennis, we're talking about the NCAA tournament and the Canadians who are in it. Also, Canadians at the high school level hoping to get there. The Biosteel game recently happened. And the Raptors, Canada's team, who might they play in the first round? We might get a sense of the remaining games as they end the regular season schedule. All that and more on this edition of Free Association. Welcome to Free Association once again. I'm Donovan Bennett with the homie Tyler Annis, who's been busy. You've been watching March Madness, even though you didn't have a bracket, watching the Raptors and watching the youths, right. watching uh, watching the young dudes in, in the Biosteel game. I, I want to talk about the tournament and got a poor sip out for RJ, a, a <laughs> brother who we lost in the March Madness struggle. But first, I want to talk about the kids who are trying to get to that level. And I, I saw via social media that you got you got dunked on your head top <laughs> in the All-Star game. Um, what was it like being a part of the, the BioSteel festivities? Um, it was great. It's my first year being able to watch it live. Um, obviously, being in season the past, I, I think it's three years old, three or four years old. So I've always been in season when, when it happens. But I've always tuned in. So I was able to, to this year see the dunk competition, the three-point um, and then obviously the actual game. So it was cool. It was, I was a judge of the dunk contest. So I was trying to be impartial, you know, just cause I obviously know a couple of the guys play for, for my AU team or whatever. But, um, you know, I was really impressed. I came away really impressed with the athleticism and also just like how deep they were, how deep both teams were. You had a bunch of guys who, you know, at the very minimum, you know, were mid to high division one players and, and definitely some guys that have the potential to go further, you know, after college. Yeah, the kid who who dunked on you and kind of shut it down, Jacoby Neath, won the dunk contest. Uh, in the game, he went off 21 points, 8 of 12 shooting, grabbed 8 boards. He's already committed to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So another ACC man coming out of Canada. You know him well. What, what's his game like? Um, You know, actually, the all game was the first time seeing him play live. And then obviously, the, he's super athletic, seen that in the dunk competition. I was a little nervous when he asked to jump over me, obviously, because, you know. Can you I, say no? I mean, I was the judge. I technically could. He actually asked me for his dunk before that, and I was kind of like hesitant. And he's like, "Okay, never, never mind." And so he did something. He messed up his dunk or whatever, and that ended up making them have to do another dunk. He's like, "All right, I need you." So I'm like, "All right, bro, I'll do it." So I just, uh, I actually seen a guy in the summer on blacktop outdoor tournament where he tried to dunk over someone and got his legs clipped and fell on his head. So that's every time oh. someone jumps over someone, I don't even. So I'm like, "Damn, I, I don't want him to." knee me in the head but I don't want him to fall especially going to college but I was uh impressed with how polished his game was you know he, he I think he's gonna have a pretty smooth transition when he gets to the college level and obviously playing the ACC is gonna be a, a a big jump from high school but I think he's gonna have a smoother transition than most guys yeah Fenerbahce the insurance is not covering yeah no no no, no. Getting a knee in the back of your neck no nah, I'm already on the disability <laughs> so <laughs> the thing I like about his game is just so under control right can't speed him up. He's playing the game at his tempo and is, is getting multiple people involved, is, is a bit of a playmaker, and just, he literally controlled the game. Right, right, exactly. And I think he, you know, from what I've seen, able to play off the ball a little bit too. He's physically a bit stronger than the guys that he was playing with, so I think uh, that's going to help him as well going to the next level. Addison Patterson is a guy who was out in Orangeville at prep, a name that people have been following for a bit. Not sure if he's going to reclassify and be a 2019 guy, or 2020 guy. In whatever class, he's going to be at a big D1 school. Many people think he's the highest rated Canadian still playing in high school right now. 
when you got to watch him again up close, what'd you think? Him I'm a little bit more familiar with. I've been watching him since he was a little kid, basically. And then uh, last summer, uh, watching him AAU, he's 10 times more athletic than he looks, obviously, but also he's, you know, ahead above everybody else athletically at his age right now. So I think he's able to go to college early just because he's so far advanced than than everyone else in his class. Um, But one thing that I talked to him about and that worried me was you know, his jump shot. And I think everybody talks about that, but he, his jump shot looked like he'd been working on it um, a lot this year. So I think that's going to help him a lot going to the next level. And, and hopefully the NBA, if I was him, I'd leave early. I mean, high school's cool, but at, you know, the college level, there's nothing to get you better, you know, in high school, like you would going to college and, you know, having the facilities and the strength training and everything and, you know, playing for a high division one coach, because that's where he's going. And I think that'll help him a lot more. Michigan state. Who's still playing. In the tournament, you know, shout out to Sparty. Already are interested, and again, a team in every Power Five conference is is interested, and in, he'll be playing in on a big stage. There's this the game that not a lot of people really know about it. It happens more in, in the United States than it does in Canada. But kind of that dance between classifying what class you're in, reclassifying, yeah. playing, you know, a year up or a year down, so you show better compared to the other kids in your class. What's that like to to navigate as you're coming through? Was it even really a, as much a thing when you were coming out as it is now? Um, I think it was worse. Um, they put in a rule when I was in high school because me going and playing in the States, you'd have guys that were two, three years older in your class. And as long as you were in the same grade as, you know, the people you're playing, you were allowed to play. So, you know, maybe at in the NBA, that's not a difference. But when you're 14 and he's 17 and he's playing 14 under, that's a huge difference. You know, he's way more developed and advanced than you. So... Me going to the States, a lot of people don't realize, obviously in Canada, we could, you know, the fifth year and, and the option to do it and everything like that. But um, I actually dabbled with leaving early, too, when I was in um, high school. You know, I had a, a list of schools that I was interested in, and a couple of them needed point guards a year earlier. And I talked to them about it, but it was, for me, I, was, I wasn't as athletically advanced as they are. Like, I don't think I would have been able to have a smooth transition in college like I did if I went early, just because... I wasn't strong enough. I was, you know, still developing and, you know, even still, I don't think I was strong enough to go into college, but I was able to, you know, go to a situation that was right for me, but I don't see a point in staying in high school longer if you don't need to. There's guys that haven't hit their growth spurt or, you know, are still developing, but if he's able to go early, a lot of people talk about getting to the NBA as early as possible and getting as many years possible of playing in the league and making money, you know, because once you're done, you're done. And, if he has a chance and he has the schools ready for him now in a good situation, uh, the worst case scenario is he does two years of, of college instead of one, or I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think it's only only positive things could come from him going early as opposed to, you know, him staying in high school another year and being older, uh, entering the draft. And that's not a good thing nowadays. Yeah. And the other thing is it's a two-part evaluation for these top kids. You're looking at being, you know, the top player in your class or a top player at your position or ESPN 100, whatever the case may be, and impressing schools to get scholarships. But you also know that you're being evaluated by NBA evaluators Mm -hmm. at that point, only because they may not have a lot of time to look at you at the NCAA level. So, so many guys now are sliding down in high school, dominating people who are actually younger than them. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes time 
to graduate, they slide back up to their actual year right. and then go to the NCAA because they don't want to be viewed as an older prospect mm-hmm. uh, when the NBA evaluators are. It's it's crazy how many people are trying to make what are million dollar decisions based on who you're playing against right. no, it is in important. high school. Super important, I think. You know, it could be the difference between what schools are looking at you and and you know obviously i think that's the main decision that these high school high school guys are looking at just picking the right situation because you could be a high major number one player in the country and go to the wrong school and end up getting no looks at the league so but there was uh i know personally from the teams i've played on that there was you know countless nba scouts there just taking these guys in and they're 17 years old i don't think they even realize it the thing that i Notice watching the game. It's at Gold Rings, beautiful facility for ball that's relatively new, and, and Madame's not much older. And the game, the Biosteel game, has been there before. We've got all these top prospects, not even just from the GTA, even though it's it's GTA heavy, but you know, kids from out east, kids from BC, all mm-hmm. competing on the same floor. Many are going to go. Some are uncommitted to high Division One AA schools, but you also have kids who are going to Ivy League schools, mm-hmm. going to Harvard. Now there's the female game as well. There's the futures game as well. This is all so still new, but it's already like the look of it is polished and, and proper. Right? Could you even imagine something like that when you were in high school? Shoot, I wish. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact that there's kids that are playing in prep schools and they're able to come home and play in it. I know um, the McDonald's All-American game isn't going to put a kid from Canada in the game. And, and I also had... Some issues with the McDonald's game. They were asking, you know, like, oh, are you reclassified? They didn't know. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I think I'm one of the youngest guys in this class. And that was one of the reasons they had trouble putting me in that game. But um, I think it's good. You hear you have guys that are juniors or, or in their uh, third year high school, fourth year. So it's a mix. And, you know, I think it's just a, a really good opportunity for them to get in front of, you know, the fans, uh, obviously being, you know, televised on TV and, and people able to come watch them play live. But also getting in front of the eyes of these NBA scouts as early as possible, you know, just to see the growth. Obviously, some guys are more developed than others. And, and you know, I, I talked to a couple and some of these guys are looking like they're on the trajectory to, to really be ready for the NBA when that time comes. So it's such a good thing for Canadian players, you know, the culture of Canada. I think it's good. You know, AAU is such a, a battle for players and brands and sneaker companies. I think this is where everybody can kind of come together and, and play and, and just compete as opposed to you're an Adidas guy, I'm a Nike guy, and we're never going to play each other. I think this is good where everybody gets together. A lot of guys heading off right before they head off to college um, and, and just compete and really show who's who's where and, and you know do that in front of a big crowd. And it was a competition. Mm-hmm. Guys were taking charges. Uh, guys were diving on the floor for balls. It wasn't an all-star game in that sense. The way the McDonald's All-American game has become, the Jordan brand classic has become, where it, it's it's more of a showcase of just athleticism. This was actual basketball. Right. And I think maybe Nike Hoop Summit is a bit that way because, you know, it's it's the world trying to show and prove versus mm-hmm. the USA. But this was just Team Red versus Team White. Right. Like, uh-huh. um, and it, it still was a high level of intensity, which was nice to see. I don't know. I don't know what else we could do to it. Like, I don't know. Could you go like West Coast, East Coast in this game? Um, I think GTA just has Too the majority of the players in the game. I know there was a few guys from BC and and different parts of Canada, but I think it would be it'd be an unfair advantage to do yeah. that. But I don't even think you could go like GTA versus the other provinces. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think the GTA team would still probably be too. Yeah, heavy. the GTA has I think the majority of the talent, but I think you you might 
there was a couple underclassmen. You might be able to go junior versus senior. Right, true. But uh, I think it's good to get the seniors, as many seniors as, as possible before they go off to college, the opportunity to play in front of that crowd and, you know, and NBA scouts and everything like that. There are some Canadians who've had great tournaments. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of them were bounced this weekend. Shout out to Iggy, who you know, was carrying Michigan for a while, putting up good points. He's got a decision to make on whether or not he's going to go back and have another Big Ten season or leave early. Brandon Clark came out of nowhere for many people and was a beast for Gonzaga. And when you look at his stock rising and potential fits with teams in the lottery, could he play in Minnesota with Towns and kind of guard the rim while Towns is a guy who spreads the floor? Could he play in Memphis with Jared Jackson and do the same things? He had a really nice tournament, but the guy everyone was talking about and watching and who had going deep because their their bracket depend on it was RJ and Duke. And as well as he played, fortunately, many people are going to remember the fact that he was short on a three late in the game and then he missed the first free throw. And then when he tried to miss the second <laughs> one, he made it, um, which was tough luck. But what I rate is that he went, answered all the questions on the podium with Zion and Coach K. Then in the locker room, when none of those guys really wanted to speak, and I I don't blame them, he stood up, answered all the questions, and then when Trey Jones was beside him, you know, put his arm around him and consoled him because he was crying. That The brotherhood, which is kind of nauseating to hear Duke people talk about it, but at least he was living it. Like, right. It was real. People are going to overanalyze his game, if I was a talent evaluator, for me, I, I learned a lot about his character and the fact that he was willing to step up and take the shot, but he's right. also willing to step up and take the questions afterward. Right. I think he showed that um, in the, the Gonzaga game, I think in, in the Maui tournament, you know, that he's not afraid of the moment. And that's huge because not everybody wants to take them last shots because of the backlash of, of missing them. But, you know, I, I do. It's tough. I mean, speaking on my personal experience, losing in the NCAA tournament's tough, especially I missed the shot to move on and... Obviously, the first question you get asked is, all right, why did you choose to shoot this instead of, you know, and it's tough, especially when I wasn't in the position of him. I still had a decision to make, and I think his is pretty clear that he's leaving college, um, you know, but it's it's hard when your life is literally changing. You know, you're a college student, and once you lose that game, technically, you know, he's a professional athlete at this point. He's going to be a top three draft pick, and, and, you know, I think that's a time where you're kind of processing that your life's going to change, and it's not easy to answer questions about, you know, that one of the biggest losses, you know, in your career so far. So it's just how much fun we had, and, you know, every practice, every game, just how much fun we had together. And I'm going to miss it. You know, I do respect the way they handled themselves all year, actually, you know, with the hype, they all I think him and Zion really lived up to it and they kind of rolled with the punches all year. And it was good to see uh, how close they were. You know, it could have been easily, you know, RJ being jealous of Zion, Zion being jealous of RJ, but they, they really put themselves together. And, and you know, some freshmen led a, a Duke team to deepen the tournament. So I was, I was impressed with them all year. Yeah, you would have handled that better than me. Because I would have <laughs> been like, what type of idiot question is that? My, my name is Iceman for a reason. That's why I took the shot. Um, and then uh, my draft stock would have fallen, right. fallen out of the first round. Take me through that process that these kids quickly are going through that, tournament ends for different times for different people but all of a sudden you're looking at reports from the exploratory committee on where you may or may not go you got to evaluate 
are you signing with an agent? Are you not? And mm-hmm. so what agent walk me through what the spring ends up being because you go from competing in March madness to competing in the NBA draft. It's tough, honestly, because I remember my year, we didn't have the whole test of waters thing. So it was either you're leaving or you're staying. And, uh, you know, CJ Fair was leaving. He was a senior and it was me and Jeremy Grant. You know, we were kind of like, all right, are you staying? If you, you know, he, his thing was, he, he literally told me if you stay, I'll stay. If you leave, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I'm like, don't put that on me, yeah. like, you know? And, and he ended up making a good decision, obviously playing, you know, he's going to playoffs this year, but, uh, it's quick. Like I was already working out pre-draft by the time the um, championship game, I was already there and doing workouts. So it's a quick process, especially when you got to get ready to do all these workouts, you know, you, you got to sign with the agent and everything like that. So I, th- I probably took a week and talked to my family, but I also just kind of stopped talking to everybody for, for a few days and, and wanted to reflect and, and make the best decision because it's a big, biggest decision of my life up until that point. So, um, you know, I, I had an idea that I was going to be able to leave. It was just a matter of, what was the best decision for me? What did I want? Because at the end of the day, they can tell you you're going to be a top 10 pick. But if you know you want to go back to college and get your degree and you know, you're just going to have to live with it. So I wanted to make sure the decision was me and not the people around me saying, you know, this is the best thing to do. So I, I, uh, I think it's a, a, such a quick transition. And that was that was uh, along with losing and not winning, because I think we really had a good chance to win my year. It was the fact like, dang, I, I really got to make this grown man decision. I'm only 19 years old and and that was a part of why it hurt so much is because, you know, I, I knew the longer we went in the tournament, the more basically I could be a kid, you know, playing and being a college student and, you know, messing around and not paying bills and all that stuff. And then you lose the game and it's like, all right, you know, you're a, you're a grown man. You got to handle your business. Did you ever kind of waffle on the decision, go back and forth? Cause I'm man, I order a meal at a restaurant and before they even bring it, I'm like, man, I should order something else. <laughs> so I can't imagine making a decision that is literally life changing in the present. But for the rest of your life, did you struggle going back and forth even even when you, you declared? Um, well, I'm super indecisive with decisions. Like I got to really think like something, something as simple as ordering what do I want for dinner? I'm going to think and be like, okay, well, is this the best? Like I'm a thinker before I have to make a decision. So I took the time. I, talked to everyone I thought was important and, and had a role in my life and that had knowledge of the the NBA and everything like that. And then I kind of took it to myself. And one of the things that uh, helped me make my decision to go to Syracuse and also made my decision to go to the league was my older brother. You know, he asked me if, if Arizona takes another guard, will you be mad? And I'd be like, I'll feel disrespected because you guys told me I'm the number one option, whatever, but it is what it is. And he's like, if Syracuse signs someone else, would you be mad? I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be like, dang, I missed out. And, that's what I felt like, you know, it's like, if I go to the NBA, what's the comp pros and cons? It's like, well, I get guaranteed money because I knew I was going first round. Um, I, I knew all the things that were good and bad and leading up to it. And I think going back to college, there was more cons, you know, there was injury, there was bad performance. There was my team not being good sanctions, whatever the case is. And, and once I made the decision, I was all in, you know, so I was, I was happy. I ended up actually having, shoulder surgery after my first year. So that could have set me back. Technically we had the sanctions that we were dealing with Syracuse university that next year. So they, I don't even think they played in the tournament. So there was a leading up to it. I was indecisive, but once I made a decision, I was all in. So I wasn't, I didn't go back and forth. I did miss college that first year just because it's like you're 19 years old in the NBA. You're not even old enough to go, you know, to a club, you know, old enough to go to a bar. Whereas in college you're, you're living free. There's no worries. And in the NBA, it's like, dang, I got to, make this work for the rest of my life and set myself up. So it's a huge difference being in the league and in college. 
there's no bouncer who's like, okay, let me get the ID of the Suns or the Bucks. You guys are <laughs> champagne and campaigning going through the back door, you know not what? the front door. There's a few cities. I know Vegas is one of them where people are like don't even try. There's a few cities like where they'll let you in, no matter, especially if you're rolling with a team. I think with the team, you're always pretty much good. But I do remember Vegas and a few other cities where they're like, hey, like we're not gonna, you know, we don't want to send you home, so just don't even come. Like as far as the vets, really doing that, and and when you're a rookie, a lot of people don't know. Like, you know, it, it might be twelve midnight. You guys just landed, and he's like, "Hey, you're coming with me. Like you're you're, you're right. gonna come." So it, it's not even a matter of if you want to go. It's like, all right, you're coming with me, and we're gonna stay out until I'm ready. And you're like, all right, let's do it. You know? <laughs> the one thing about this entire process is, and listeners, you can kind of tell. I'm basically just peppering Tyler with questions about how this goes down because I have no idea. So if you have questions, hit us up on Twitter and, and we'll answer them in the next pod. The one thing I rate is Calipari. People hate on him and, and kind of say whatever they want. But when it comes to his guys declaring, he leaves no doubt. He tells the media, yo, I told this guy to go. Right. So if he comes back, it's on him. Yeah. Like if he comes back, he's helping me out. He's right. not helping his family right, out. Right, if he wants right. to make the best decision for him, He's got to go. And do I, I rate the fact that he's like, yeah, I understand what it is. I got you for one year. Any of that is gravy. But if you do what you're supposed to do and I do what I'm supposed to do, you're not going to be here for more than one year. Right. I respect that a lot about him. Obviously, he's known for getting one and done guys. And that's pretty clear coming in that if you're going to Kentucky, you better leave or you're going to have a top five guy at your position coming in. But I actually dealt with that. Up in honestly... I had Syracuse fans up until probably last year telling me, hey, I wish you would have stayed, you know? And, you know, it's like, cool, I would have got my education and further, you know, but any person trying to get to a certain level in a job or, or if, if you get an offer, you're going to leave. You know, if you get the offer you've been waiting for your whole life, what's the use in staying when you could go back, you know? And that was, you know, one of the, I talked to the athletic director at the time and he told me, you know, you're making a decision, but I wanted to let you know that you have a scholarship forever, basically. Like I could, if I go back to school, and I'm doing classes, they pay for it. And that was a big thing for me and my mom just because she's like, I want you to get an education. But, um, you know, me and coach sat down a couple of times before I made my decision. He told me what he thought. I told him what I thought. And, you know, we just continually met up, up until I was <laughs> super nervous as a, a kid. I had to go in and my dad's like, all right, you got to go tell him that you're going to leave. And, and of course, I'm like, can I just call him? And they're like, no, you got to do this in person. And he had an idea. It was funny. By the time I walked out the office, it was announced. I don't know how they knew. <laughs> you know, I was getting notifications and whatnot. But what? um, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like in this office and I walk out and it's on my phone already. Wow. So I think they had an idea, um, you know, but we had a, a issue with him talking to the media about, you know, I already made my decision. I was leaving. I was meeting with agents. So at that point I was, I couldn't even go back to college if I wanted to. And, you know, he, he was talking about whether we are ready or not. And, and that was something that bothered me and Jeremy just because it's like us going back to college might help us draft-wise, but more so it's going to help you in, in the wins that the university is going to get. So that that was something, you know, we obviously don't have issues, but that was something I thought he could have uh, helped me a little bit more and pushed me. And, and once I made the decision to leave, he should have, uh, I, I, as a coach, I would have done my best to, to make sure this guy goes as high as possible as opposed to, getting my views out there and I actually got some slack from some Michael Wilbon and and because he got he got backlash for saying it I didn't make any public remarks or anything and, and they're like oh these kids are soft these days and I'm watching like dang I didn't, I didn't even say anything you know like but 
it was it is what it is. I ended you up saying you're soft in reference to what? In reference to coach coming out and saying, Oh, basically saying I wish he like I, I thought he should stay. I thought, well, I shot they should stay, me and Jeremy, and people saying, Hey coach, he's leaving. Why would you you know, like at this point you should gas me up and until I'm the number one pick, you know what I'm saying? hundred percent. And from his backlash, we had people talking like, Oh, the kids are soft, they don't want the truth. They only want college. Like I didn't go into college thinking I was one and done. I, I honestly thought I'd do two and and be able to leave and have the option. But you know that was the way the cards were were handed to me, and and I took it. I can handle the truth when you tell me man to man when we have a meeting. Right, and we we did. We met. He told me he's like, yeah, I, I I really want you to stay. I know you have the option, but you know I'm like, are you gonna give me this if I don't get the same guaranteed money and be able to take care of my family? Are you gonna be there? And no, you won't. You know you're not gonna give me a piece of your check to you know, handle my losses. And, and that was, it wasn't about the money for me. It was about the opportunity. That's what I worked for my whole life. And, and college was basically a stepping stone. I was able to, to get my education. I'm still doing that, but I worked my whole life to get to the NBA. So I wasn't going to turn that down. That's why I would struggle having that conversation with most coaches, unless it is a coach like Calipari, who obviously is so over the top with his guys going early and, and fine with it because it's, an incentivized conversation. You want that new yacht. You want that <laughs> extension on your house. I can help you get it if I come back and right. we, we put up a couple banners, make a Final Four, win the ACC. And so I, it's tough to really take that evaluation seriously when you have something to benefit right. if I come back. And once the decision is made, you still have something to benefit if I get picked in the top three, in the top five, in the top ten, mm-hmm. that's good for you. Yeah, it's good, good for your program. Recruiting so, and everything like that as well. Even if you disagree with the decision, what's done is done. To your point, you should be gassing me up right. more than anybody. I should be calling you and be like, yo, why don't you, why don't you just calm down a little bit? Right? <laughs> you boosted me a little too high. And that's the part of it that I struggle with. And I applaud you for navigating it because I don't know. I don't even know if I would have asked his opinion in the first place. Yeah, I mean, what well, you have... Technically, what is it, like exit meetings? So you meet, we had, I'll just say probably three meetings from the season till I made my decision. And the first one is basically like, oh, I'm happy with the shot you took. You know, we'll live with you because we lived with you making these shots all year. And you made the majority of them, whatever. And then it's like, oh, so what do you think? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I'm going to talk to my family. So, you know, we continued to meet. And then once he's like, I think you should stay, but I'll make the calls necessary for you. So he wasn't like a, a lot of people listening would probably think like, oh, like, yeah, we don't have beef. Uh, obviously, we um, whenever I got traded, they'd always call and he'd give us like, all right, you know, like they called me before and this is what they expect from you, like whatever, because he's the biggest reference that you can get, obviously, other than NBA coaches. But, um, you know, like he told me, I'm like, oh, this is the decision I'm making and I'm going to leave. So it was just a, a matter of the media stuff and, and it is what it is. We have no differences now. So I, I just thought during it, whether I could have got drafted earlier or later from him saying stuff, I just thought he should have done his due diligence because I would have done that for him if, if it was opposite. The other part of this partnership that is ending is the relationship you have with those guys, the teammates. Mm-hmm. And I found it cool that RJ put his arm around Trey Jones, not just because he was showing some leadership, but because those guys have been through something together. Right. They're bonded in a way um, that most people aren't with, with anyone else that, that they go through things with Zion said at the press conference, chances are I'm not going to play with these guys again. Yeah. No, no kidding. You're not going to play <laughs> with these guys. I mean, maybe there could be a situation where, you know, 
Jawan Howard and Chris Webber ended up on the same team for a little bit mm-hmm. in the NBA. But for the most part, unless someone really trades up in the draft and gets two picks, Zion and RJ have played their last basketball right. together until they decide to team up in some city and create a super team. You know, a lot's obviously going through our mind right now. Um, we're very upset, obviously, because, you know, we wanted to go to the Final Four, but congrats to Michigan State. You know, they deserve it. They played a hell of a game. And, you know, just look around the locker room and see, like, your teammates and your brothers. And you just think, you know, this group probably never will play together again. What's it like for those guys who went through an incredibly intense experience that no one else can really relate to together, Mm -hmm. and then now it's just over? Yeah, it's tough because you you get to school and you're basically, you know, they've been there for a year. Every single day, they're roommates, and you're with your team every day. You know, whether it's an off day, you're you're going through it. And, And I think it's deeper for them because they're going through being a new college student, but they're also going through the whole NBA process at the same time, you know? So they're dealing with the media pressure. They're dealing with agents and, and everything that goes along with being a top three, top five pick. So, you know, I think they, they really showed that they, they had a real brotherhood because not every team, as much as Duke says it, that not every team is going to be as close as the other, but, um, you know, you go through it. And, and I think when you're the number one seed going in, you really think you're going to win this tournament, you know? So, I think you, you really do gain brothers as as you do it because if you spend, whether you like them or not, you know you spend every single day with someone. You're gonna gain a, a friendship out of it. So I think it's it's genuine, and I think it's um, them realizing that you know this little fun, this little vacation as a kid and college student where they do whatever they want and and play basketball is is pretty much over. I mean, I'm not really like kind of looking back at the moment. You know, I'm just. You know, we just lost the game, obviously, so trying to get through that emotion first, obviously, and then maybe in a few days I'll probably look back on it and, you know, think we how great of a season we had. Yeah, it did seem genuine for real because the other part of it as a competitor, and again, if it were me and I was Zion, I'd be like, dude, do I need to show you? My my highlight tape. Like, how about you 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 hit me on that duck in so I can <laughs> score on these dudes and we could be playing in overtime. And honestly, I didn't get any sense of that between those guys all year. Right. Uh, so as much as they were teammates, they were competing for who's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And guys can feel type of way about that. Right. For sure. Uh, and they didn't seem to, which is cool. I want to talk about the brotherhood that this Raptors team has and maybe will continue to have moving forward we'll get into that after the break april may june the sweet spot on the sports calendar we finally hit it and to really 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 get into it you need sportsnet now you need to be able to stream your sports from us here at sportsnet on all of your devices on many 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 different platforms Charlie Montoya on those Blue Jays looking better than you might have thought. Get Sportsnet now to watch them. The Raptors, we got not only regular season games, we've got postseason games as well. Plus, you've heard of this thing. It's called the Stanley Cup. They're giving it out this spring. All of that on Sportsnet now. Download the app so you can be covered with sports just the way I am.
So there are four teams in the race for the bottom of the Eastern playoffs that the Raptors are going to play to end the season. And then they finish with the Timberwolves, a game that's not going to mean anything to anybody other than, I suppose, Vaughn, because they'll get to see Wiggins play. The Nets, the Magic, the Hornets, the Heat. The Raptors, actually, when you look at their record against the other nine teams in the playoff race, they're actually only 15 and 14 this year. So when the games have gotten tough, they haven't been as good as you might think, even though their net rating is crazy high because they got 30 double-digit wins this season, which is the fourth most in the league. Of those teams that are fighting to get into the playoffs, do any one of them scare you more than the others? I think the easy answer is Detroit, obviously, because it seems like Detroit has the Raptors number and... and you know, you do play a little bit harder when your coach has that little beef or, leave. you know, he leaves a team and, and whatever the case is. But I think if they get the Brooklyn Nets, I think they'll they'll take care of business, but it's a little challenge. I think they have some good guards over there and they have a little bit of veteran leadership, but, you know, they're playing a group of guys who, for the majority, haven't been in a playoff series. On the other hand, the Raptors have a, a ton of experience, so I think they're going to handle business if they do end up with the Nets, but... um I think I would stay away from Detroit if obviously they had the option to. So as it's currently constituted, they would play the Nets in the first round. And let's dissect that a little bit for me. And I care about the storylines more than, than anything because I'm in the business of creating stories. The change in the two franchises, when the Raptors first went to the playoffs in this version of the team the we the north era it was against the nets the team with the highest payroll in the league prokhorov was the owner spending big money they traded their entire future to boston for the hope of winning a chip with paul pierce and jason terry and kevin garnett and obviously they they never got to that level but the raptors were this hopeful team where people were just happy to be there right for sure now People will be cheesed if you don't deal with the first round in Mm -hmm. five games or less. The Nets are the hopeful team with D'Angelo Russell where the playoffs are maybe a bit ahead of schedule and their bench is doing the great bench reacts with the great youth. I love the storylines of that matchup and where those teams have been and are now going. But I do fear for that matchup for the Raptors because point guards have gone off on Toronto, and when you have a scoring guard like Russell in a series, he could steal a couple games. Right. No, you you do have a, a great point. Another team I was just thinking about is the Heat. Obviously, they're they're I think in the eighth seed right now, but you know they have a team with Dwayne Wade. They have a, a pretty deep roster if they're healthy. Um, obviously, they're beat up right now, but I think if you know they have a ho- healthy roster and and um, you know the Raptors end up playing them, I think they might you know give a little bit more of a challenge than expected. You know with such a deep team. They have basically players at every position that are that they're able to throw out the Raptors, but also a little bit of experience in there as well. So, you know, that's a, a sleeper team. I think the Raptors might want to stay away from if possible. If they didn't do much to improve their team, considering that you'd think they would be buyers and not sellers, they they traded Tyler Johnson to the, to the Suns, got rid of Wayne Ellington, but the fact that Dion Waiters got healthy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a deadline acquisition for that team. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I think a matchup with them would be interesting because they're one of the few teams in this conversation where depth is their strength, like the Raptors. And they can play multiple styles. 
Olenek will give you something different than Bam Adebayo will, who will give you something different than Justice Winslow will, who will give you something different than Hassan Whiteside will. Right. So in any game time score situation, or even depending on the flow of a series or the opponent, Eric Spolstra, for me, one of the best coaches in the league, can give you something different. And then right. the X factor is D-Wade, mm-hmm. who's been there before, tried and true, playoff performer, and just in a sprint towards the end of his career, he only has so many games left. I would just afraid be afraid that he would turn back the hands of time and you know win a couple games by himself, yeah. knowing he wants to go out on a high. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the perfect storybook ending for him. Obviously, a team that's sneaks into the playoffs and then they, you know, upset a Raptors team or, or upset another team. But, you know, I think the Raptors are, they kind of control their own destiny at this point. It's a, it's a matter of health. And if they have the chemistry built up, obviously from some uh, deadline acquisitions, but honestly, uh, the Heat is a team that would scare me if I was the Raptors, you know, because they, they do match up pretty well with them. And I think with, with Dragic kind of regating his health and, and getting healthy again, um, you know, I think they're, they're really a team that can compete with the Raptors team that people aren't mentioning because I don't think they rate them one and two. They'll be lucky to get in the playoffs. They're probably not going to jump up as high as seven and face the Raptors in the first round because the Raptors are not going to catch Milwaukee for first is the Hornets. Mm-hmm. And as much as the Jeremy Lamb 48 footer to win was a bit of a fluke, Kemba Walker certainly in a seven game series scares me, especially when he's playing for his next contract. Right. He's playing for all NBA. So that next contract could be a super max. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the front line, they have bridges is playing much better towards the second end of his year. Kaminsky. I, I don't really rate, but he does some things and stretches the floor. And then Raptors fans know that Bismarck Biombo can come out of nowhere <laughs> and take over a playoff series just by dominating the boards Hornets is not a matchup you're likely to see, but I I mean, I guess I'm afraid of everybody, but but they should be respected. One that is relatively likely is the Orlando Magic. Mm -hmm. And to me, they're a little bit of Raptors South in a way. Jeff Weltman, who was the assistant GM here in Toronto, uh, is is there in, in Orlando right now. Terrence Ross, former Raptor, who's always lit the Raptors up when he's played against them. He's playing really well. And when you look at this team from a net rating standpoint since the deadline, net rating offensively and kind of defensively looking at those numbers, they've been one of the best teams in basketball. A lot of the metrics say that Orlando is one of the best teams in the East. They scare me as well. How do you think the Raptors would match up with the Magic in a first-round series? Um, I think... One experience. Um, the Raptors obviously had loads more than than the Magic, but I think the the Magic like to play big. They have Vucevic, they have um, Aaron Gordon, they have Jonathan Isaac, they have a bunch of guys, and then you know obviously with, with Terrence Ross and Fournier and different guys that could fill it up. I think you know they they are a team that that can be dangerous. I just don't think they have the depth or the experience that is necessary to really take down the Raptors in seven games. So before I let you go, I want to bring something up with you that I love to harp on, one. And two, uh, I want to bring up a question that I constantly saw on our Raptors game day stream. Something, check out for it on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, on Raptors game days, hence the name. Uh, At noon, we're going to break down that game for you. So about a 15-minute conversation while you order your Uber Eats. Watch us talk about basketball presented by Uber Eats with an NBA insider. The first thing is, 
I don't know if you've heard, a center went off for 34 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, in only 34 minutes. He's the first player to do that, have a 30-25-2-2 game in under 40 minutes since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His name is Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. I asked you a week ago if you rate what JV's doing with the Grizzlies relative to what Gasol's doing, and you you were unswayed by me caping for JV. He's still putting up crazy numbers a week later. Do you feel any different? Um, I say I'm surprised. Not that I didn't so rate. No. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> not that I didn't rate JV. It's just that that's not what we've seen with the Raptors, uh, especially the last couple of years with him you know, starting and not playing that many minutes or, or coming off the bench or whatever the case is. But, you know, like I like I always say, it's all about opportunity. And, and I think him going to a team that needs him one and, and really needs him, not so much as the Raptors kind of, you know, being able to sit him and, and different options. I think they're a team that needs him and he's able to kind of get a fresh start and, and a new beginning in a sense after being, you know, with the Raptors forever, which it seems like I think that's great to see him playing well and being healthy. But uh, I, I just feel like it's an unfair advantage. Obviously, um, Mark wasn't putting up those numbers with the Grizzlies before he left, but going into a team that's basically depleted in the Grizzlies, whereas Mark Gasol is starting one game, he's coming off the bench another, and, and kind of fitting in with a team that has championship aspirations. So it's it's a tough, tough comparison. I think JV is obviously playing way better than Mark right now, but you know I think it, it'll come down to when the Raptors really need Mark to step up. If he does, then I think the trade's a good thing. If he's able to you know, give the Raptors a couple more wins or help them do that, I think it's a, a good trade. But you know, if he, he has a bad playoffs and he ends up walking at the end of the year, then I think it looks like a terrible trade you know, on the Raptors' part. Something before we, we end this that I constantly see, whether it's in the comments in the articles on sportsnet.ca or comments on, on the streams on various social media platforms when we, we set up games on game day presented by Uber Eats, Pascal Siakam, people infatuated, not just what he's doing, but what he may become. Here's Siakam's numbers in the last seven games when Kawhi Leonard is not in the lineup. 25.4 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, shooting 56.7 from the field, 44.8 from three, and the team has won five of those seven games. That Those are all NBA level numbers and yes does Kawhi sit against a lot of bad teams yes but also some of those games are second night of back-to-backs when you're looking at Pascal and what he has become what's his ceiling like how good could he be is there a comp for the type of player that he could be in the future as a Raptor or god forbid for Raptors fans if Kawhi Leonard doesn't resign July 1 and this team is in many ways Pascal's team yeah, I mean, I want to say like a Draymond Green type just because he's able to play basically every every position if you need him to. Defensively, he's a, a really good player. And then offensively this year, we've seen him take huge steps, you know, from where he was as a rookie, obviously, but also last year. But um, I honestly don't know. I think it, it'll be interesting if Kawhi does walk. I think he'll get a pretty big extension to lock him down. And I think he's deserves the most improved player, you know, clearly. But um. You know, it'd be interesting. He's he's really versatile. Shooting touch has gotten a lot better. So, you know, if he made that jump, you know, in one season, you know, from I think he was coming off the bench last year mm-hmm. and to a starter and basically 
for for some games been the best player on you know one of the top teams in the East. It'd be interesting what he does. You know, with that confidence and another summer of working out and and just knowing that you know he's the the starting power forward, no matter who they pick up, I think that'll give him you know a little bit more juice. And and you know, I think the Raptors is kind of in a position where they have to lock him down this summer for for big money. And I don't know if they plan for that heading into the season. Yeah, it's it's a great point. When you say you don't really know, I don't think he knows. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think they know. I mean, this is a guy who to start the year had one move, like a, a spin move in the lane that just somehow it would go off glass and find a way to go in. And now he's creating off the dribble. He's shooting well from three and not just corner threes. He keeps getting better. We made a big deal about it last year when they said, oh, yeah, you can guard LeBron James in the playoffs. Well, wow, that's a, that's a great ascension for this guy. We made a big deal about it the year before that when he was a G League MVP in, the, <laughs> in a finals MVP. So to see what he's doing now and, and what he may continue to do, I think your answer saying you don't know is correct. Because if you ask Pascal if the dream on green is comparison is a, is a compliment, like he might feel a little disrespected. Like, I can't shoot like me. So, um, so yeah, it's been crazy to watch. I'm looking forward to continuing to watch it and to talk to you about it. Thanks for this, man. Yeah, thank you. I just been cooking that note. I'm about to drop in the fuel. Think if I call it the grain, the people gonna call it the truth.